the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader. 1220 KDOW. What a man, what a man, what a mighty fine man. I wake up thinking women are singing that to me. And I just wake up and realize it's all just a dream. The stock market is acting much like a dream. We wake up and we go, we're up 17% for the year. Where else can I do that? Well, you can double your money fast in Vegas, but you could also lose it fast in Vegas. Something I just, you know, I got to keep pounding on you is Wall Street works overtime. Wall Street works because of capitalism. Wall Street is a discounting mechanism. So when we fall apart, it's probably because our economy is about to fall apart. When we slowly ease up, as we have in the last four or five years, it basically means our economy is slowly easing up over those same four or five years. Whether it's we're willing to pay more of a valuation because we see better days ahead, or there actually are better days happening as we speak. Time for a correction? Probably. Anytime a commentator comes on and comments about potatoes, it's time to start thinking, what could go wrong? The Fed's going to taper at some point in time. That's what could go wrong. That's probably the most obvious thing that we have out there. And by that I mean, did you see the numbers today? U.S. private sector adds $200,000, $200,000 jobs in July. Economy is finding some momentum. GDP comes in at a rosy 1.7% for the second quarter, which isn't bad, considering it was supposed to be our worst quarter. Now, the sad thing is, is there's some sort of mathematical aberration tied towards GDP that I don't think I can explain on air effectively. In large part... It's just, you know, personal consumption expenditures fueled the gain, okay? Non-residential investment added half a basis points. Residential investment added, what, third of a percentage point. Real final sales, which exclude the change in inventories, increased 1.3%. But the second quarter GDP wasn't that strong. But since it was stronger than expected, there was a new methodology thrown in to factor it. It's nonetheless get the idea that the market's going to start focusing on the Fed, tapering of its assets purchases in September. Not raising interest rates. No, 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 no. But cutting the purchases of assets. GDP, comprehensive revisions, if you use this new type of data, show that historically from 1929 through 2012, we've grown at an average 3.3%. Again, 
It's kind of bogus, right? It's kind of like saying, uh, you weigh 250 pounds and you're obese, but we've decided we're going to go back in time and change the way a pound is. Instead of X amount of ounces, it's going to be X amount of ounces minus 10%. You're still obese. Even if you lower the number, you've still got all that fat on your bones. Mmm, yum, 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 fat. So that's what we got today. We got good news, which means the Fed Open Market Committee Directive, which is going to be released at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. It's going to show that there's this, like, um, hey, the economy's looking pretty good. Employment's looking pretty good. Maybe we should start thinking about tapering. And suddenly that free, our government prints the money and buys their own debt. Don't you wish you could do that? I'm going to go spend a million dollars on a week in Vegas, and I'm just going to make up a check and bounce it. I'm going to pay them, and I'm just going to print my million-dollar bill. That's not even funny. Mm, Barack doesn't like me today. That's okay. Um, how about some love? Kiss me, Brock. Uh, Facebook leads the list of stocks to watch today because Facebook is back to its IPO price. I own shares of Facebook. I did not buy the IPO. I'm not proud that I own it, but I'm happy that it's break-even to that $38 for a lot of people who bought it a year ago. It went down to 17 Between 17 and 24 it became very attractively valued. Now it's pricey. But do you know what they said? What did they say? They said that they can sell ads. A f- I think it's a 15-second commercial for a whole day at $2.5 million. Um, that's the Super Bowl rate. And they can do it. Facebook has this ability to take a millennial, Susan... And that she likes to dance and drink Red Bull vodka, smear off. And they can now go to vodka and say, you know what? I can deliver an ad to the perfect 26-year-old for you. And Smirnoff says, you got someone who has a pitcher drinking my product that you can run a commercial for, for me? That's, yeah. So do I think Facebook goes higher today? No. Do I think it goes higher next week? I don't know. Am I going to use this annoying voice all day? Yes. But does Facebook go higher over time? I think they will. Um, They're going to have to start doing some things like dividends, and they're going to have to start doing things like buying back shares, because they're a big company. A lot of their growth happened before they became public, which is unfortunate if you think it's a growth stock. There is some growth in it, because they went from not selling mobile ads to selling mobile ads. And they've got 1.1 billion users. And they're pretty confident those users like what they do. Google can't do it. Google probably can get into more hands. Sure. But can Google deliver ads? What they can do is spray a machine gun of ads. But can they be as targeted as Facebook? Probably not. You're just not that engaged when you great Google Moogla do a search. Great Google Moogla. Buffalo Wild Wings in the news today. I know you're saying, Buffalo Wild Wings? It's a play on football. Um, It's a play on restaurant unit growth. 
I had never been into a Buffalo Wild Wings, and then I went into a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I found the food repulsive. But yet, it's still growing. I'm a bit of a food snob, in case you haven't figured that out. You know, I was stunned. Do you want to hear how lazy we are as a society? Kentucky Fried Chicken now sells 80% of their chicken without bones. I was listening to a, a sous chef go, oh, there's this place in San Francisco that fries the whole chicken with bone in. You know, they quarter it, but they still fry it with bone in. You know, boneless chicken now is popular. Kids in their 20s, the millennials, they don't like bones. They grow up with nuggets. They find them unattractive. They find them unappealing. So, Kentucky Fried Chicken now sells 80% of their chicken filleted off the bone. White or dark meat, fried, but boneless. Bites and dip-ums and McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. We live in a boneless chicken world, which, for the record, I've been to the boneless chicken ranch. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. So i got a big event coming up Thursday night. Thursday night, the one and the only retirement planning workshop. It's going to be in San Rafael at Four Points Sheraton. It is free if you sign up today. Um, it's a good event. It's myself and CFP Chad Burton who does a show here from 1 to 2 every day on KDOW 1220. Um, issues that you need to know about retirement. Drawdown rates, state planning issues, uh, the right way to fund your retirement accounts. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. While you're there, hit the visitor sign up, and I'm going to be sending out a newsletter this morning. I'll send it out to you. It's free. Um, go to robblack.com for the event as well as the newsletter. KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought. Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Comcast profit jumps 28%. You hate your cable company probably, right? Yet you still pay your cable company, right? Full quarter, earnings rose $1.7 billion total, up from $1.3 billion. That's a lot of ta-ta-ta-ta-ting. Companies broadband, internet, and business products. Free cash flow increased 25%. Um, very healthy. Comcast has been losing subscribers to DirecTV and Verizon Fiber for years. It lost another 159000 a quarter. Broadband grew 8%. I'm floored. Um, I don't know. I'm floored. SP 500 up five. The Dow up 58. The Nasdaq up 17. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a financial planner. We talk retirement and wealth issues all the time. 
Let's talk about the concept of rebalancing your portfolio. I think we all know the concept while we're working. Keep a look at it. Make sure nothing gets too overweighted or too underweighted in your portfolio. Uh, That's when you're working. But Mm -hmm. what about in retirement? What concepts do we need to know? Well, let's talk about first why you rebalance because things like asset classes go through different rotation periods. And I've talked about the Callan periodic table investments, and you can Google that and find this. And you can see the sectors or asset classes, as soon as they make, you know, they're the best place to be for two or three years in a row. Within a couple of years, they're the worst place to be in the last, in those two or three years in a row. And so when you see them hit the, ring the bell, especially for like three years in a row, or when you see an asset class like REITs all of a sudden rally up 15% when they're really a yield play, you know, it's time to take some profits and buy stuff that's been down. Um, so you, you're always looking for your investment choices where you want a good 10-year average rate of return, and it's got to be risk-adjusted. In other words, low standard deviation, low beta. Um, and when you see something that has a great long-term rate of return sell off for a period of a year or two, that's when you want to buy it. That's when you get the real great returns that help you outperform in the long run on a risk-adjusted basis. So that's how you rebalance. Easiest way for for a person pre-retirement to rebalance is to just turn on their re- automatic rebalancer on the 401k. Almost every single one has it, where every year at a certain month, um, it'll rebalance everything back to your original choices. A more active person will use their contributions to change their asset allocation and to rebalance. In other words, if they look in their portfolio and see they're overweight in large cap and underweight in international, they'll stop adding to large cap and start buying international. Make sense? Absolutely. But if um, you know, you're in retirement, it becomes a different story. Your rebalancing situation looks like this. You have your different pieces of your portfolio. I like your three years' worth of expenses in cash, a balanced portfolio, um, a dividend-paying stock portfolio, and some other income that's guaranteed for life. And so what I do when I rebalance and I look at things, the first thing I look at is how much of their three years' worth of expenses in cash did they spend. So if the market's positive for that quarter, I'll peel off enough out of the portfolios to replenish their cash. And then I'll look to rebalance inside the portfolios. So the first thing you look at is how can I always peel off the house money in the good times to replenish the cash that I'm spending so I always keep my three years' worth of, of safety reserve to get me through bad economies intact. Okay. So that's, that's, it's, it's really important to kind of monitor it a little bit more closely in retirement and more on a quarterly basis. Most younger people in their 20s and 30s, they could rebalance once a year and still be okay as long as they're actively saving. So for you at work, you're in your office, do you have a flag that says, take a look at, should I be rebalancing today, this month, this quarter? Like, when do you remind yourself, like, I need to do this? Um, well, it, it, on a quarterly basis, if the market's negative, you just rebalance inside the portfolios. Okay. But if the market's positive and it's in a big way, let's say it's a 7% quarter, for example. Right, which is what we had first quarter of 2012. Right. And so you, you talk to the clients that are retired, and you constantly have to remind them that you need the three years' worth of expenses in cash. So the quarterly review process becomes, look, here's what your portfolio did. What do your cash levels look like? Okay. Most of the time I can see on a wealth management site that we have for clients, I can see the amount of cash, and we can go ahead and send that to them. Gotcha. But it's an active communication situation. Uh, most of the strategies that I see people pitch out there are, here, I'm going to set up this strategy, and I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm going to sell you a bunch of crappy product, and then don't, please don't call me for 15 years. That's not how it should be in retirement. It's your money. It's the only thing that you have left to live on until you're 100 years old, so you better be a little bit more proactive about it. NBA is now starting to put advertisements on jerseys. Have you ever considered putting an advertisement on your business suit? Sell ads. 
<laughs> we do these quarterly reviews. I try to think well, what would be on that. Something like milk and magnesia or something. <laughs> depends. <laughs> depends. I like it. You're telling you're telling me your clients wear depends. <laughs> nope. You're going on the record. Okay. So what else do we need to know about rebalancing? Um, is it easier than we think? Is it something I, you should let a professional do? I think it's the hardest thing that people do because it's easy to buy, but the hardest time, the hardest thing that people have trouble with in investing is when to sell. Yeah. And so by creating pieces of your portfolio and a certain asset allocation level, so you have, you know, you got your three years worth of expenses in cash. That's something you have to keep intact. That means you know you have to sell gains in order to keep that intact. Okay. And then you have an a, an asset allocation plan that has a certain amount in in stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, alternatives, all of that in the portfolio. You set those parameters, and you know you have to sell when those parameters are out of whack. Okay. Um, I think that's about it for this topic. I think we've beat it to death, so to speak. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can meet Chad at an upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. You can find out more about those at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can meet Chad yourself. Say you need a CFP. Say this is you know rocket science to you. Say this is difficult stuff to understand and comprehend. Financial planners are good, good, solid ideas for people in retirement. You don't have time to make up your mistakes. Don't make mistakes. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Google Play now generates more downloads than the App Store for Apple. That's a little bit of a push, right? It's nice to see for both Google and a little bit sad for Apple. As the people kind of invented that sector, doesn't mean they're said and done. I own shares of Apple. In theory, I own shares of Google because I own some tech funds. I'm going to be sending out a newsletter later today with some stock recommendations. Um particularly tied to what I just said. If you want that newsletter, you can go to robblack.com and hit visitor sign up, visitor sign up. And that'll be going out a little bit later today. This weekend, I'm going to be doing, not this weekend, but this Thursday, I'm going to be doing an event, a wealth preservation retirement planning workshop. Uh, Very, very important that you cruise into retirement correctly. I've seen a lot of retirement portfolios recently, one of them well-funded, one of them not. And the people that you see that don't have a well-funded retirement, when you have to tell them you need to keep working, stinks. So, San Rafael, Four Points by Sheraton, Retirement Boot Camp, Thursday, 6.30 to 9. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We're having a decent earnings season. We're having a good employment scenario unfold. Not too hot, but also not too cold. It's okay. It's not just right. It's okay. Um, Stock market's rallying. It's up 17% for the year. 
Can you imagine, with all the bad news out there, China slowing, Fed printing money, deficit, sequester, dysfunctional Congress, trillion-dollar deficits, higher payroll taxes, higher capital gains taxes, up 17% this year, up last year, up the year before, up the year before. Wall Street climbs a wall of worry on a regular basis. Let's go to a phone call. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Ray? How are you, Ray? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a question. I, I have a 13-year-old. Can I put some money away in, for, uh, in a trust for him? And uh, I'm just wondering, how do I breach that conversation in the future? It's really for his retirement. He can't touch it until he's 59 and a half. Okay. And I'd rather he didn't know about it until he's established and out of college with a job and put money in his 401k. But the statements come in, they have his name on it. And, uh, you know, I spoke to my wife, and I'm just not too sure what to do with that. And I was just wondering what you thought. Sounds like you're a great father, first and foremost. Um, how much money are we talking? Uh, right now it's just 5000 and I'm hoping to add to it, if, you know, in the future as we go on. Okay, and you've probably put it in a diversified fund or something like that? Uh, yeah, I don't... I, I mean, I don't know if I can call and say what it is on on the air. I'd rather not say it, but it, it's a it's a trust that's supposed to be well known. Okay. Um, feel free to drop me an email because I would be curious exactly what you did. Um, I think it's a little aggressive to set up a trust with that little amount of money because trusts aren't cheap to set up. Um, with that said, let's just assume that you did it correctly. And thanks for the call. Um, it used to be that only the Rockefellers would set up trusts. You know, it's for children and grandchildren, and you probably could think of um, Paris Hilton. She's a trust baby. Uh, ordinary people becoming millionaires through increased value of property. More and more Americans are turning to trusts. I'm going to talk about trusts. Uh, for instance, tomorrow night. Is that tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night, Thursday night in San Rafael. So bring the state planner, Michelle Lerman, there if you have any questions about trusts. But they're pretty commonplace. Um, it's a way to set up protection of assets for a beneficiary. Your son, let's say, is probably 10. That 5,000 will grow into 10,000 by the time he's 20. That 10,000 will grow into 20,000 by the time he's 40. That 20,000 will grow into 40,000 by the time he's 40, 30, 40. 20 will become 40, 40 will become 80. So you've done pretty good. I mean, it's a good start. It's not millions and millions of dollars. Um, trust are nice because when you die, or in this case, when because you've put a date on it at 59 and a half, that's when you'll get the money. Some people want to give the trust to their children after they graduate college, or maybe like a fourth of it. Maybe a fourth of it when they turn 30, and maybe a final half of it when they turn 40, when they could start to appreciate it and spend time with their families. You chose to take care of retirement or to give them a good chunk of money in retirement, and that's noble. Um, trust must be distributed at least annually to your child um, once it kicks in. So there's a drawdown angle that you can have on that. It's part of the IRS code. Um, let's see. When do you tell your child is a great question. There's no magic age, of course, because it's going to depend on circumstances. Does he need to know? Maybe he just turns 59 and a half and the Attorney calls him up and says, congratulations. You probably don't want to do that. Um, you want him to be able to plan around it. Maybe he doesn't have to fund his retirement as much. Maybe he's able to enjoy his family in his 40s. 
Um, many of us work our butts off in our 20s, 30s, and 40s for our families and die of a heart attack. You don't want that. You want them to enjoy it, uh, I think. As a general rule, it's always a good idea to give as much information about financial matters to your children as they can handle. There's no point in telling a child who's 10 years old that there's a million dollars sitting in a trust for him in retirement. Probably no rush, rush when he's 18, but there'll come a point when you'll look at your son and he's a man and you know he's gotten some of the Johnny Manziel um, partying out. And you know that's the time to do it, I think. Uh, you know, as a child gets older... You know, you can ease some concerns about some of the issues in their life. And I think that's what you're thinking of. Um, but that's up to you and your wife, really. And uh, it could start with a hint, like, you know, when he's 18, just so you know, we've set some money aside for that when you hit retirement, there'll be a little nest egg there. It's not everything, but it's it's nice. Um what I don't want you to do, and I ultimately ask why it was, how much it was, was because there's a lot of what are called trust mills, where you get suckered into setting something up for your child, and it's pretty expensive, and you don't need to do that. Like, you could have put $5,000 in your own retirement and set it up later, that when you pass, that whatever's left over from your nest egg goes to your children upon you know your and your spouse's death. Um, again, it gets kind of tricky because there's a lot of marketing in this, and there's a lot of trust seminars where you go to and you sign the dotted line, and that's not a trust. That's that's a factory, and it probably doesn't take into account your particular scenario. I have a trust that's tied towards my property, and you know, when I pass, my property will instantly be given to my heirs or whoever I deem it goes to. The point being it goes to your spouse first and then your children second. That's how most people would set it up. It could also be very specific that says it goes to your spouse, but if she remarries and dies, it doesn't go to her new husband, but it instantly goes to the children. Now, I'm not a trust expert. I will readily say that. Funding a trust can be kind of tricky, and that's why I don't want you to go to a seminar and set it up at the seminar. I don't want you ever to feel pressure. I would rather you take care of your own retirement, and I don't know if you have or haven't, Ray. And that's why I kind of want you to reach out via email and tell me a little bit more about yourself. Um, because if you're 80 and you don't have enough money to live off of, and your kid's got a retirement plan, you probably did the wrong thing. I'm not saying that you want to take care of yourself, and you know, there's generational issues that I don't know what it's like to be from Mexico. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know what it's like to have a, a, a rich and full Latin family. I don't know what it's like to be Italian. So there's issues both deal with race and nationality that I don't know. And it may be super important to you that once you had your kid that you looked in his eyes and he made you a better man. That you're like, i got to take care of him. I'm going to set up his retirement. But at age 40, if you don't have somewhere between 100 and 400,000, you're probably going to work till the day you die. So I want to make sure that you take care of your retirement and your spouse's retirement first. Now, a trust for me and my property is you can't look up where I live. Because my, my, my trust owns it, and my trust might be XYZ Trust. So to find out where XYZ Trust lives, you have to look, know the name of the trust. The name of the person gets changed. So that's kind of interesting, I think. I don't know. Dow Jones Industrial Average hits an all-time high. 
I know. Did you say? Did you just start a, a woohoo? I know. So later today, we're going to get the Fed, and the party may start to end. Facebook tops its IPO price. NASDAQ at a 13-year high. Dow rallies 100 to hit fresh record. S&P 500's in record territory, playing with 1,700. Um, am I excited? No. I think uh, if we get a great year this year, maybe we get a good year next year, or maybe we get a weak year next year. Uh, historically, I want to see the market trade about 15 times earnings. I'm good with that, as long as capitalism does what capitalism is supposed to do. I am interested to see next year how the health care bill gets implemented and what that does to our economy. I think when the average American has to spend you know, an extra 100 to $200 a month on their own health care, they're not going to be happy. And that's going to cut some consumer spending. And we don't even know exactly what it's going to feel like or look like. So it's going to be an interesting year next year, to say the least. Um, am I trying to like play both sides of the fence? I love the market, but you got to watch out for next year. Maybe you're even wondering if you can make money. I hate the people. Buy and hold is dead. Now, okay. This one particular guy refers to as buy and hope. Um, congratulations, buy and holders, on the SP 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average and on the NASDAQ. Congratulations for those of you who bought holdings and held them in a tough time when the market was lower. You've done fantastic. So, I don't like people who peddle fear. I despise them. Ew, boy. What else do we got out there? Um, I don't want this story to be missed. Facebook plans to sell TV-style ads for $2.5 million each. That is a gold standard number. And it's a nice thing to see. I own shares of, of Facebook. I need to legally disclose that on occasion. It's nice to see that they're not going for... like a erectile dysfunction uh, pill that's not granted by the FDA that doesn't have approval. I'd rather see Facebook do ads for vodka or cars than to see them do ED-type advertising. Um, Or vitamins. For those of you who are in love with vitamins, you are my nemesis. You spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on stuff that's likely urinating out of your body. Strength today seen in consumer discretionary, energy, healthcare, and industrials. Weakness seen in consumer staples, materials, telco, and utilities. Mortgage index on applications registered seventh consecutive decline and eleventh negative reading in the past twelve weeks. With the market who may be engaged in what we believe to be manipulative activity, our enforcement division is going to go after them. At this hour, the Dow is up six tenths percent to fifteen thousand six hundred and fifteen. The S and P up a half percent to one thousand six hundred and ninety-five. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I need you. You need me. This is the apocalypse after all. I like songs that feature big marching band bass drums. Boom. I know you're saying, you like 
Yeah. If you can throw a marching band instrument into a rock song, it is the song of the summer. According to Jimmy Kimmel, this song's better loud than it is silent. And I agree. I highly endorse Jimmy Kimmel. I know. That probably means that I'm going to hear from Barack Obama at some point that he doesn't think that's funny. It's not. That's not even funny. Thanks, Brock. SP 500's up 10. The Dow's up 102. The Nasdaq's up 21. 10-year Treasury sits at 2.68%. Good news is out there. And it's all going like, to start dramatically changing around 11. I'm a little gassy today, so you got to excuse me. Um, drinking soda because I did not sleep well last night. Oil sits at $103 a barrel. Fed's going to meet today, and we're going to get some minutes, and we're going to get some conversation, and we're going to get CNBC yakking it up. Yakety yak, yakking it up. Um, I don't know. I think I've given up my love on Taylor Swift. I've now moved to ta- uh, Selena Gomez. Is that wrong of me? Because Justin Bieber has been there, and it's, it's, I, I'll, st- I'll stick with Taylor. Some incredibly artsy and progressive uh, t-shirt company started selling shirts with all the names of Taylor Swift's exes. And what's interesting about this is the Swifties, or whatever they're called, the Taylor Swift fans, blew up on the company and like, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to blow up your house, and I'm, I'm coming for you. Like, they're angry that someone could poke fun at them. I'm surprised by that. There's another story out there, and again, that shows the power of Twitter, right? You just write down 12 names like Kennedy and Gyllenhaal, and people get that kind of mad. On top of that, there was a food truck worker yesterday that says he was fired for tweeting about customers who don't tip. So there was an office, an investment advisory firm, that placed a $170 order. A company called Glass Lewis and Company. And the investment advisory firm ordered food for about a dozen people and no tip. So the guy, his name is Brendan, he's a food truck worker in New York, tips, tweets out, Shout out to the good people of Glass and Lewis for placing a $170 order, not leaving a tip. I don't know what world we live in that someone wouldn't leave a tip on that, because I've worked in the food service industry in my college years, and it's, it's tough work. I will never leave less than a 20% tip unless the service is, is wretched. I will, if the food's bad, that's not his fault. So his company basically let him go. Now, there's a twist here. He embarrassed his company, right? He embarrassed the company that placed the order. So he's a part-time food truck worker. He only has 300 Twitter followers. And he was able to shame a Wall Street firm into getting him fired. Johnny Manziel. I'm going to tie all these Twitter stories together. Taylor Swift, tied to food truck worker, tied to Johnny Manziel. The NFL prospect plays at Texas A&M. Seems like 100 years ago that he won the uh, Heisman Trophy, right? He's probably already cost himself $5 million for frat parties 
he went to the football camp with Eli Manning and not Eli Manning, but the other Manning brother, Joe Manning. He's the Denver Bronco quarterback, Joe. Why can't I think of his name? Rex Manning? Uh, okay, so the older brother has a football camp, right? Pat? No, his name's not Patton. Patton. Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Manning. There we go. Okay, so Johnny Mansell goes to his camp and kind of misses a, a, a meeting. People are like, he was probably drinking the night before. He's... He's costing himself millions of dollars, probably $20 million. A top 10 pick, if you slip from the top 10, you'll probably lose $5 million net loss a year over four years, which is the collective bargaining thing that they have. So that's $20 million he's already cost himself. If he falls in the second round, it's probably going to be $10 million per year that he loses. And that's a pretty graphic amount of money. So... Johnny Manziel, he gets on Twitter and he like he rages on people that don't like him. And uh, I think a college beer party, just drink in your dorm room, dude. You don't need to be crashing uh, the teaks because the teaks aren't going to let you in. I know that for uh, from experience. To get your calls in there, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. So Twitter has ramifications. Posting a picture of you with a vodka in your hands. Dancing at a club on your Facebook page has ramifications. It will affect your career. Amazon's going to produce five additional children's TV pilots. Comcast profit jumps 28%. Ford adds F-150 pickup to a natural gas lineup. That is a big story that I haven't really talked about yet. But it is a big story. Make no bones about it. Speaking of no bones, 80% of all the chicken sold now in fast food restaurants is boneless. That's interesting, right? We've grown up in a world of nuggets of convince of, of ease. Um, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say about that story. I'm going to drop it right there. I do want to mention that Shark Week has a lot of hype, right? Because we're all afraid of getting attacked by a shark. There's only been 44 deaths since 1580 in the United States, including Hawaii, of people getting killed by a shark. Your odds are 1 in 264 million. But man, when it happens, it's a good story. Don't hate the shark. Love the shark. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night. San Rafael, it's Retirement Planning Workshop at the Four Point Sheraton. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's free. There's limited space left. Sign up at robblack.com. Four Point Sheraton Retirement Planning Workshop with CFP Chad Burton. Also hit visitor sign up and I'll send out a newsletter later today talking about earnings season. There are many debt relief. Have you heard the news? Silver is on. Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street business source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. 
I do my best. I try to stop you from making expensive mistakes. If you're 50, 60, consider when you want to take your Social Security. It's one of the points of the show. Do you take it at 60? Do you take it at 62, 63, 64? If you're allowed to start claiming Social Security benefits at 62, holding off several years can save you or make you thousands of dollars. At age 62, 25% smaller checks than if you wait until your full retirement age. If you wait until 70, your annual benefits grow by another 8% from whether it's 66 or 67, depending on when you were born. That's your retirement age, 66 in the United States or 67. But you can take it as early as 62. But if you wait until 70, those years between 66 and 67 add another 8%. So if you take it at 62, you're going to get maybe $15,400. If you wait till 66, you get $20,500. If you wait till age 70, you get $27,000. That's a big difference. If you live till 95 years old, which a lot of people are in America, by claiming benefits at age 70, you would have pulled in $677,000 of, of Social Security income. If you do it on the earlier level... Eight years earlier than 70, at age 62, it's 500000 So waiting does pay if you live longer. Waiting doesn't pay if you die early. Now, I'm going to wait as long as I can. And if that means from age 62 to 70, I get a job of, I don't know, being a greeter. Maybe I'll be the oldest man to ever work at a Victoria's Secret kind of thing. I'll do something crazy. But if I can keep that check coming in, even if it's $200 a week, that stops me from spending money and it it allows me to delay, I'm going to do it. Dow's up triple digits today, all-time intraday high. Congratulations, Dow. How do you feel? I feel like a million dollars. Thank you, Dow, Dow, for that commentary. I know you're saying, we've got talking markets? How awesome is that? Stocks advanced today on the GDP report before the Fed statement, and there's the rub. GDP was better than expected. The ADP employment data, better than expected. We'll find out more on Friday. Comcast and Master Quarter rocked it, slapped it, hit it out of the park. Facebook rose above its IPO. Like, this is all good stuff. The data looks good. I don't think it changes anything with the Fed as far as when it tapers, whether it be end of this year, start of next year. The improving economic data and the good job growth indicate that the Fed will start tapering later this year and that the extraordinary quantitative easing will end sometime next year. Investors are waiting for guidance from the Fed on when it's going to reduce its bond purchases. So this could all turn today. Last Fed meeting, they told us a little bit about, yeah, we're going to start tapering. And we're like, okay... Pull out the dictionary. What's tapering mean? Oh, so you're buying $80 billion of debt a month, and you're going to cut it down to $60 billion. And then later you're going to cut it down to $40 billion. And later you're going to cut it down to $20 billion. That's still a lot of stimulus. Now, has it worked? I don't think so. Not gloriously worked. Has it helped? Yeah. Those are two different questions, though, right? Um... CBS, MetLife, Whole Foods, they're all reporting earnings today. So far, out of 327 companies in the gauge of the S&P 500, 
72% have exceeded analyst expectations for profit and 56 of top sales projections. Uh, Symantec up almost 10% today. They reported profit that exceeded expectations. Genworth Financial down 5%. Best performing insurer in the SP500 this year. Riverbed Technology just instantly makes me think of river dancing. Down 15%. Maker of computer networking products forecast earnings that are going to be lower than expected. Not by a lot, but enough. So they're getting punished today. Bad stock. Bad stock. You need to go to stock reform school. Um, I once saw a dog that there was a sign by it that said, I bite. And I was pretty wowed by the fact that a dog could write. Like, that's a pretty powerful thing. Like, he can bite me as long as I can take him on TV and make money off of him. SP 500's up 10, the Dow's up 88, the NASDAQ up 20. 10 year Treasury sits at 2.6%. Again, the Fed's going to talk today, and the market's going to react. We're at record highs on the Dow and the SP 500. Not bad. It's a good day to be a stock, as I like to say. Gold's getting crushed down 17 today, back to 1300 and 6 or something like that. I'm being loose with that number, and I probably shouldn't be loose with that number. But I'm, at least I'm telling you I'm being loose with that number. Fair? Markets have a glorious year. If the market were to stop right here, it would be a glorious year. It's up 17% for the year. Um, and I don't think I really have anything else to say. I just, I just, I'm going to stop right there and say, Woohoo! 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 Um, but again... You don't go up 17% every year. Historically, we go up 10%. Depending on if you add in dividends, it's a little bit more. Take out dividends, it's a little bit less. George Soros takes a large position in Herbalife. Uh-oh. <laughs> Poor Bill Ackman shorting the stock. Now he's got Icon and Soros. Uh, betting against that's why I don't short stocks. As much as I tell you I like stocks, I like the Nasdaq. Um, or I, I'm sorry, um, I like Apple. There's some stocks I won't ever like. Now I don't like Apple at 700. I like Apple at 400. When it gets to 700, it's, it's got a lot of future growth built into it. When it's at 400, it's got a lot of value. I don't work that way with companies like Herbalife. If you compare Herbalife to other multi-level marketing products like Avon, it's cheap. No, it's expensive. So it's expensive to me, but then some people think it's a multi-level marketing thing and the attorney general is going to crack down on the company and put them out of business. So they say, I think it's worth zero. Uh-uh. I don't play... I, too much drama for me. There was an opera out a couple of years ago about the Civil War. And part of the opera was, you know, General Lee and Grant. They sang. And it was like, war is... Sad. Oh, Robert, I think you just killed my favorite song of all time. Sorry about that. Um, so I killed his favorite song. War is sad. And you have to sit through this for like two and a half hours. Oh, good God, no. Um, so markets are at high. Markets are doing great. Keep in mind that we don't grow 17% every year. The faster we go up, the quicker we can come down. I'm not scaring you. I'm not playing both sides of the fence. Just look at your portfolio. 
maybe take some gains from some sectors, maybe buy in some sectors that have underperformed, maybe rebalance when things are good. Fair? Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I've got Michelle Lerman coming up, and I've got economist Jeffrey Rosen coming up. So an estate planner and an economist. What am I going to do with my time? Retirement Boot Camp, Thursday, August 1st, 6.30 to 9. 6.30 to 9, four points by Sheraton and San Rafael. Come meet myself, CFP Chad Burton, estate planner Michelle Lerman. Topics, high-fee retirement products. Topics include taxes and much, much more. You can sign up for the event at Four Point Sheraton Thursday night, tomorrow, 6.39 at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. NHL is pushing for expansion team in Seattle. That would be great for the San Jose Sharks. Franchise uh, expansion teams tend not to be very good. Out of the gate. With that said, it's a great city. Seattle's a great city. It's got a lot of growth ahead of itself, a lot of jobs. Let's bring in state planning attorney Michelle Lerman. How are you, Miss Lerman? I'm great. How are you? Good. You ever been to Seattle? You know, my, it's funny you say Seattle. My uh, Our son, uh, Jason, who's 22, just moved there after graduating college. It's If I were young, I'd probably move there. Interesting. But, yeah, he's loving it. He's bussing tables. Isn't that a great thing to do after a college degree? Is this your son that plays the guitar? Oh, no, no. Well, he plays guitar also. No, my other son who plays guitar is actually playing with Michael, Michael Buble right now, which is very exciting. No, that this is, is uh, my younger son who lives in Seattle. Okay, now you're worth some money. Do you have a son bussing tables? <laughs> With that said, I, I, I bring that up because a, a man called the show earlier in the show, and he, he opened a trust, and his kid's young, and he put $5,000 in it. He's setting him up for retirement. He asked, when should I tell my child that he set up for retirement? What are your thoughts on $5,000 trust for children, and what are your thoughts on when do you tell children about trust that you've set up? Well, it's interesting because one of the things that I'm going to be talking about uh, tomorrow at uh, at your seminar is how to leave assets for children. And the problem is that, and I think that's what he's concerned about, is that if you tell your kids that they're set up for retirement, how do they have incentive to continue to work hard and and do well and make their own make their own way in this world? So I think that's a really good question that we're going to talk a lot about. How do you not spoil children? How do you how do you encourage them? Um, my my thought is that it starts during life. Uh, you know, my son is bussing tables, but he's supporting himself. And you know, it's important to set up that framework. Yes, if you don't want to come home after college, you know, find your way, take some time off before going to grad school, but support yourself. And I think an estate plan can do the same thing. You don't want to just dole out the money from a trust. 
you want to set guidelines for the trustee to say, dole out the money if they're working hard, if they, if they have the, you know, if they have the ability to handle the money. Okay. Now, what do you think about trusts that are like $5,000 for a child? To me, that mm-hmm. seems a little premature. Because we don't know, is this guy wealthy? Does he, right. he funded his has he funded his retirement? But it seemed a little. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of people that do that. No, and I actually wouldn't recommend doing that because to when you say to set up a trust for a child, to me that means that you went to a lawyer and you paid a lawyer a fee to set up the trust. For five thousand dollars, I would set up um, an account, either a custodial account, where you don't need a lawyer. Uh, then the problem is that the child has access to it at age 18. But you know what? For $5,000 to let the child have access at age 18, that doesn't bother me. Or set up um, a 529 plan so that it takes starts taking care of college. But I wouldn't set up a, a trust for the benefit of a child for only $5,000. Okay. Um, at the event tomorrow night, Four Points Sheraton, 6.30 to 9 p.m., you're going to be talking a little estate planning. What do we need to know? I'm going to talk. Tomorrow night is actually going to be a different program because I've been speaking at your programs for quite a long time now. But tomorrow night I'm going to talk about the five biggest mistakes people make in their estate planning that are really created by what I refer to. I don't know if you would agree, but I refer to as this up market. Um, My clients are doing better. The stock market seems to have rebounded from its lows. Our real estate clients are doing really well and there's uh there's bad news to that and the bad news is that people can make mistakes with their estate plan so we're going to talk about five problems created by this up market and how do you solve those problems simply good question and i'm never going to challenge anything you say because you're very good at what you do michelle (laughs) thank you (laughs) If that makes any sense, um, we've got about another minute. Um, estate planning is what you do. Tell us a little bit more about who needs estate planning. Well, everyone needs an estate plan, uh, whether it's a simple will and a health care directive. Do you remember what happened with Carrie Shivo when she was kept on life support and her husband was fighting with her parents over whether to take away the life support or not? That's estate planning. So pretty much everybody needs to have some sort of an estate plan. The big question is whether they need a living trust and whether they have a tax problem. And we're going to focus a lot about now because now is very different than just a few years back. Taxes are a whole new thing with the changes in the law that happened in the the beginning of this year. So um, an estate plan is basically an instruction manual. What do you want to happen? if you should die, or if you should become incapacitated. So I'm going to give a lot of good information. I'm really excited. Thanks very much. It's Michelle Lerman. You can meet her tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9, at the Four Point Sheraton in San Rafael, Four Point Sheraton in San Rafael. Uh, She's worth the effort to get to know. I think she's one of the best, if not the best person that I know to set up an estate plan, a will, a trust. Um, she can tell you about the differences. Uh, she'll be there, you know, the whole evening answering your questions, 6.30 to 9. Get there a little early if you want to chat with her. Get, stay a little bit later if you want to personally chat with her and or chat with her during the breaks. It's a retirement planning workshop. 
it's critically important that if you work your whole life that you pass your assets on intelligently, and it could be assets like real estate. It could be assets like 401Ks. And knowing how to pass those on is smart if you do it in an efficient tax-wise strategy. I've seen families lose 50% because they didn't do it intelligently. Um, so that would be tragic. You can sign up for the event. It's at the Four Point Sheraton tomorrow night. Um, San Rafael, Four Point Sheraton in San Rafael. Uh, it's in Marin. It's the only time I get to Marin. It's a free event if you sign up today. I'm also going to be sending out a newsletter a little bit later today. So while at robblack.com, just hit visitor sign up and also hit the seminar sign up. Um, I think it's pretty easy for you to do. We'll talk about annuities. When are they right? Probably never. We'll talk about life insurance as an investment. When is that right? Probably rarely. We'll talk about private real estate investment trust. Never a good idea, in my opinion. Um, and I've seen people lose a lot of money to their quote-unquote financial planner. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. If you just need an estate planner or real estate attorney, Lerman Law does both very, very well. And you can find out more at lermanlaw.com. That's lermanlaw.com. Good day on the market. But that could change based on economists, based on Federal Reserve members. So we're going to talk with Jeff Rosen when we come back on the air from briefing.com. He's the chief economist. Ask him about the jobs numbers that we saw today, the jobs numbers that we're going to see on Friday, about our GDP numbers. Let's get some perspective. Stick around. We'll take a break. We'll be right here on Rob Black and Your Money. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Chief Economist at Briefing.com. Dr. Jeffrey Rosen. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. Um, partying at record highs. Sounds great, but I'm not retired, so it's kind of out of context. Uh, SP 500's at a high. Dow's at a high. It's too good to be true? Um, possibly. I mean, I'm, still, I'm not a, a market watcher by any means, but uh, you know, I still don't see the connection between current you know equity prices and the way the economy is going let's talk about the economy we got second quarter gdp numbers that looked better than expected better than predicted but there was a new way of handling those statistics uh, tell us what we saw this morning uh gdp increased by 1.7 percent uh, up from a, a downward revised 1.1 percent well above what i expected i thought gdp was going to be negative uh, this quarter uh, we had a big run-up in inventories, which I didn't see, and uh, investment was stronger than expected. So you add those together, and, and you had a, a pretty solid GDP number. 
relatively for you know what we've been seeing over the last several you know years. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's all relative. And you know, there was something inside the press release on the econ- on the economy that kind of said historically we're going to do some new statistics, so we would have grown three point three percent. So one point seven percent is well off the historical norm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, GDP normally, you know, potential is between two seven, three three. A lot of people just consider three percent what we would grow, you know, if the economy was performing adequately. Uh, we haven't grown at that rate since Q1 2012. Uh, we really haven't had any sustained growth above potential, which is what you typically think of when you need to uh, lower the unemployment rate, um, you know, over the last three years. So. You know, if you look at trends, it's not moving very much. Um, you got a lot of press before the GDP release that the BEA was redoing um, part of their investment categories, and they added a couple components to investment, namely uh, some ways of calculating research and development and adding artistic products and licenses into the uh, mix. You know, that stuff really didn't play any role in uh overall growth rates had added like uh, 0.1 percentage points of the 1.7% growth. So that's not, you know, anything important. But, you know, overall, things are just sluggish. They're moving ahead, but they're not anywhere near what you would want an economy to be performing, you know, let alone after a recession, but even during, you know, a normal business uh, cycle. Inside the GDP, is there anything that you look for that we should look for? Because it's pretty intimidating. Private inventories public inventories, non-residential investment, personal consumption, real final sales. Are any of those metrics more important to you? Uh, I look at the consumption numbers. I look to see how the consumer is performing uh, compared to their savings and whatnot. I like to look at um, the investment in equipment numbers uh, specifically. I like to see how uh, the business sector is allocating their money. You know, we have a, a big run-up in, um, in profits over the last several uh, years, but we're not seeing any of those profits being parlayed out into investment expenditures. And you kind of want to see the equipment stuff move higher. Uh, and after a recession, you typically get you know, 15 to 20% um, equipment growth, and we haven't seen that at all. Uh, I think we've had one quarter of, of that since the recession ended in 2009. Uh, and also you like to see if the housing sector is picking up, and you're getting that with the residential uh, investment numbers. Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com. He's the chief economist talking to us today. Before we move on to employment, the GDP report of 1.7%, it's not, we're, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but kind of anemic, not strong. Um, yeah, it's pathetic. I mean, okay. that's, that's, that's the best way of describing it. I mean, we have... Uh, a lot of resources that are being underused, and you know we're, we're doing everything on the monetary side to overcome, you know, the obstacles that we have in the economy, and, and it's not working. And you're seeing government spending drop for the third consecutive quarter. Um, state and local government manage its first increase since Q2 2012. Federal government spending has been down for a while now. Uh, you know. If the fiscal situation isn't going to help the economy and you're having anemic growth from the private sector, you're going to have a very difficult time getting growth to return to the uh, 3% you know, potential that we, that we normally would see. With that out there, the Federal Reserve has done quantitative easing 1, 2, and 3, and we're talking about tapering. Would you say they've been successful programs or not? 
it's hard to, to determine the success of a quantitative easing program. There's no counterfactual that does a really good job of explaining how much growth has come from you know X amount of bond purchases. But on the margin, it's, it's better than nothing. And the fact that we have 1.7% growth, you know, 1.1% growth in Q1, 0.1% growth in, in Q4 2012, so those are the last three quarters. And they're talking about ending, you know, quantitative easing and tapering down purchases, which is, you know, a de facto tightening. It just seems unreasonable to me. The ADP employment change report showed an estimated 200,000 jobs added to the private sector in July. Good number, bad number? Where do you stand on this one? That's roughly the number that we've been seeing over the last 12 months. You've been seeing job growth in the neighborhood of 175 to 200. Um, so it's not an it's not a strengthening number. It's just a good number. You know, the ADP there's a, there's a strong caveat. It's it's not the BLS number. There is not a lot of statistical correlation over the last uh, several years now on um, the ADP versus the actual. Uh, you know, you keep hearing that Moody's is keep you know changing the way they're calculating the ADP to get it to be more in line with uh, with the actual. But their their statistical correlation is pretty weak. But even if you take that aside, you know, 200 is 200, and you know, that's roughly what we're getting. If we saw 300, I think your eyes would open. You know, and things would be better. Even 250, you would be like, wow, things are, are starting to really improve. But really, we, you know, under normal circumstances, 200 would be great. You know, when you have an unemployment rate of seven and a half percent, if you had a labor force participation rate that was what we had prior to the recession starting, it would be around eleven percent. You know, two hundred is not enough to drive that uh, that level down. And then you have to factor in what type of jobs we're getting. Are we seeing gains in income, or are these just low-paying jobs? And, and right now, the income factor isn't moving as strongly as we would hope, especially at this point in, the, in recovery. So. Yeah, the job number in itself is nice, but it's not a solid, encouraging, strengthening number. What are you expecting on Friday from the BLS stuff? You know, roughly like, ADP, like 175 on the on the uh, total, and then 200 on the private, roughly right around there. Uh, just what we've seen over the last several months. I, I don't see much of a change. You know, if you look at the initial claims level. Things have been pretty solid but steady, you know, 350,000, give or take, based on, you know, some biases and seasonality and whatnot. We're not seeing it drop to the 330 range that we would hope to get, uh, you know, a plus 200 number out of uh, the payroll growth yet. Okay. Now let's turn the tables to President Barack Obama. He's out trying to push some new tax incentives for corporations. What are you making from what he's saying? Oh, boy. It's... The problem with politicians is that they're politicians. You know, they have to make populist statements and statements that they think will get uh, traction. You know, and at the same time, realistically, you know, the Republicans aren't going to want to go ahead with any, you know, a lot of these mechanisms because, frankly, the Republicans just don't want uh, to cede any uh, any positive news to the president. You know, ahead of midterm elections, so. You know the, the partisan politics that we're getting between the, the Republicans and Democrats. It's really you know making it difficult to get anything new. So any statements that we're getting out of the president are just, you know, I'm trying to do something. Look, I'm trying. I'm trying to to agree with the Republicans, and they're, you know you're going to find, you know, that neither nor is it going to be a. Uh, you know the correct way of going about things. You know, and, until you can sit down and actually legislate and and govern. You know, it, it's just a mess. 
We've got a little bit over a minute speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Anything that you want to highlight before we head to break? Just pay attention to those, uh, you know, the employment numbers that come out on Friday. You know, if we okay. get a, a big surprise on the positive side, that's a, that's a good news for the economy. Are you still in the camp, or are you in the camp that media seems to be in that the back half of the year will add jobs and everything will be rosy? I mean, it's supposedly the math works out that way just because the effects of the sequester will be lower in the second half versus the first half. However, we're still only seeing consumption at 1.8%, so we're not seeing, you know, the sides that aren't really affected by the sequester really moving ahead with with much strength. So things, you know, mathematically should look a little better, but, you know, realistically, I don't know if it's going to end up being the case. As always, I appreciate your work, sir. <laughs> Thanks. I won't call you sir again for a while, but thanks. Uh, it's Dr. Jeff Rosen, uh, Chief Economist, Briefing.com, Briefing.com. He's very, very good at what he does. He humanizes econ- economics. And uh, as an economist, I appreciate that because the more you know, the more informed you could be about where you need to be in your life. The S&P 500's up. The Dow's up. The Nasdaq's up. It's a good day. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up tomorrow night in San Rafael. It's a retirement planning workshop. It's free. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's in San Rafael at the Four Point Sheraton tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9. Um, I promise you, you'll learn a thing or two about investing, about retirement, about estate planning, and much, much more. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. I'm Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio in Washington. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. It's been quite a week for Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. He's added a cool billion dollars to his net worth as shares of Facebook have moved from $28 a share back to $38 in the last five, in the last five or six sessions. One of the problems right now is its stock is now at where it was when it IPO'd. So if you bought that day, you're almost break-even with costs. And a lot of people didn't like seeing it fall to 17. So they're saying, you know what? I'm selling. I'm break-even. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hmm. I don't know. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Microsoft only generated $853 million in revenue from its Surface tablet last year. Apple did $25 billion. After you factor in how much Microsoft spent in marketing, how much they've lost in write-off from taking a charge, you're talking about losing a lot of money on something they're not selling a lot of product of. If you look at their average selling prices, maybe 650 bucks, they sold 1.3 million units, and that's the best-case scenario. I was looking back at some of the numbers that, you know, iPods and iPhones were considered winners, you know, 10 million in the first day kind of stuff. Um, it is not going well for the boys at Microsoft as far as that product goes. 
Amazon's going to produce five additional children's TV pilots. I like that story. <clears throat> Why, you ask? Eh. To me, it's something along the lines of we get more content choices, and Amazon needs to populate their service with more content choices, much the way Netflix is. Is Amazon Netflix? Kind of is. Is Amazon Walmart without all the stores? Kind of are. Um, Amazon's a pretty important company, and I'm not saying that, like, get people into a, a tizzy. I'm saying it because I, I don't think you realize how big they are. Um, there's some amazing facts about Amazon's role inside of our economy that I think should be highlighted and noted. You know, Barack Obama gave a speech in front of a fulfillment center at an Amazon for a reason. You know, the largest online retail in the world, Amazon obviously has a major economic impact in the States. The fact that it does so, while also creating thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs during the holiday seasons, makes it important to talk about. Um, should we get crazy about it? Probably not crazy. Um, but what once was, you know, almost a throwaway concept, online books and CDs, DVDs, and then they slowly added more and more category. Um, the Phoenix, Arizona-based fulfillment center could contain 28 football fields. That's pretty impressive. Now, again, not a reason to own a stock, but it, and maybe it's a reason to consider not owning a stock, if that makes any sense. I know a lot of people um, worry. A lot of people worry about uh, you know, the size of the company. Amazon's got 100,000 employees. Facebook's got 5,000. Facebook's the largest company right now that's not on the S&P 500. That'll change. On Cyber Monday last year, Amazon.com sold more than 200 items a second. Amazon brought in 50,000 additional employees for the holiday season last year. And it's getting bigger and bigger. Um, I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. And I feel a little bit bad that I'm not supporting my local businesses at times, but I do it for convenience. So, uh, two items in the 1.2 million square foot fulfillment center might be a mile apart. That's how big it is. Amazon employees have to ride tricycles to get to faraway items. Your average fulfillment center employee gets paid between 11 and $14 an hour. That's nothing to be proud of. Um, on Cyber Monday, the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Black Friday, the day, you know, um, 2,000 employees had to work. That's how crazy it is. The record for most items moved from shelves to the loading docks in one week was over 2 million. The conveyor belts move at a speed of roughly 20 miles an hour. Amazon.com owns 10% of the North American e-commerce. Office Depot, Staples, Apple, Dell, Walmart, Sears, and Liberty all own another 10% of that market combined. They're pretty big. I think Jeff Bezos and the guy who runs um, Software.com, not Software.com, excuse me, uh, Mark Binioff, are two of the smartest people in technology right now. Amazon made it. Apple and Google didn't in the world of 
selling stuff online. So Amazon's site went down for 49 minutes last year, and they missed sales of nearly $5.7 million. They're getting into the business of selling space online. Well, no, they're not getting into it. They're doing it. $600 million contract with the United States government. If this one were to fall significantly, I'd consider it, but it's always going to be expensive. Don't forget, i got an event coming up tomorrow night, San Rafael, Four Point Sheraton. It's a retirement boot camp workshop where you're going to learn everything that you need to know about retirement. You'll probably be left with a couple extra questions. CFP Chad Burton runs the event. I add a little economy and a little stock market. Michelle Lerman, a state planning attorney, adds a little state planning and trust talk. To get your calls on the air, you can always call 800-516-1220. If you want to come to the event, it's free, but you have to sign up. There will be no walk-ins. You have to sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's filling up fast. It's probably going to fill up today. I've got an email newsletter going out in about 30 minutes. You can sign up for it at robblack.com, robblack.com, for either the event or the newsletter. Sign up for the event um, through the link that says seminar. Sign up for the newsletter through the link that says visitor sign up. We'll take a break here. We'll talk in 22 hours. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.